Well, I wonder if any of us uh, recognize uh, this place or these places that are going to be on the screen. Anyone recognize this? Some of you have been here, I think. It's Bethlehem. Anyone else venture a guess as to where in Bethlehem it might be? Church of the Nativity. So th this is the, the place that when you go to Bethlehem, uh, there is a church here, and it's supposedly built over the place where they believe and think that Jesus uh, was born. The Church of the Nativity. How many of you? I'm, there's some have been there. How many? There's, there's a, oh, there's actually quite a few of you who've, who've been there. And there's something about the story of the Nativity and the Incarnation uh, that tells us something not only about the nature of God, what God is like, not even just about the nature of the mission of God, what God is doing, but also there's something about the nativity, the incarnation that must shape the church. Because if, if the story of the nativity, if the story of Jesus coming to earth from, uh, from heaven, the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth, if that's the nature of God and the mission of God, then it should impact how the church experiences God and then lives for God. And there's something really significant about the fact that Jesus leaves everything to come and live and be with us on earth, take on flesh. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to do a short series on how the nativity, how the incarnation shapes the church, hence the church of the nativity. How does this shape who we are as God's people? How do we understand the birth of Christ expressing both the nature of God and the mission of God. And so we're going to start uh, this morning with a reading from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And this morning we're going to be thinking about light and witness and presence. Light, witness, and presence. How do we see that in Jesus and in the birth of Christ and then how do we see it in the life of the church? So let's read at these words together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning. You hear echoes of Genesis chapter 1, which also begins, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And really, John is establishing that what he's about to talk about is this word, Jesus Christ, who was in the beginning. He was with God, verse 2, in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. This Jesus who has come to take the form of a babe in a manger in a stable in low town Bethlehem is in fact the creator of the heavens and the earth. The in the beginning of Genesis is now a new beginning in the birth of Jesus, the creator enters his creation. And in him was life. Anyone can shout amen or hallelujah anytime you want because in him is life. Amen. Thank you. And that life was the light of all mankind, all humanity. The light shines in the darkness. 
this Jesus, this word, this creator. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. Man, there's defiance in there, isn't it? The darkness cannot overcome it. In the same way that in the beginning, Jesus said that the word came, let there be light. So too, God continues to speak. Jesus continues to speak. Let there be light and there is light. And the darkness cannot overcome it. And to understand the light, we also have to recognize that there is darkness. And in a few moments time, we're going to be thinking about some places of darkness where Jesus brings light. Light is spoken into darkness. There was a man, verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, came as a witness to the light to tell others about this light that was coming. It's got to say something to us as a church. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. But the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, these really sad words, the world did not recognize him. That's so tragic. The God of all creation enters, entered and continues to enter our world. And people don't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. That the very people who should have recognized him, they never received him. They remained in the darkness instead of embracing the light in Christ. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are recipients of Christ the light and we become children of God children not born of natural descent nor of human decision nor of a husband's will but we are born of God this message we declare is not about the physical birth it's about the new birth new birth in Christ new birth in God as the light of Christ enters within us. And to this we become witnesses. Light, witness, and then presence. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God is still doing that, even still making his dwelling among us. Whether we're recognizing it or receiving it or not, God is still making his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came. This one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God who dwells within us comes. And so we have light that pierces darkness. We have witness instead of denial. We receive, we recognize Christ. This life-changing good news. 
and we recognize God's presence. God is not distant. And God comes in this passage. It's almost like creation story is being told all over again. But instead in Christ, everything that was broken and destroyed is now beginning to be restored. The intimacy, the closeness with God and his presence is being restored. Light, witness, presence. Well, I wanted to root this morning in real life story. And uh, so I've asked Sundeep if uh, he would come and, and join me. And we're going to have a, a little conversation about some circumstances in their life as a family a few years ago that I, I hope will um, help us root all of this in uh, the experience of living as well as in the Word of God. Um, Sandeep, thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it sounds like you are... I'm on. You're on. Um, Sandeep, probably most of us know you, but some are, are new to the congregation, and so for, for them, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do? Okay, um, I'm Sandeep. Um, I've been in this country 30 years. Came to Scotland to study architecture in Dundee, um, and uh, now I run coffee shops as well. Um, I'm married to Sarah, who's there, very embarrassed, in the corner. Um, um, I, we have five kids, our eldest, Anthony, there with our two grandchildren, Alex, uh, married to Lauren, and then uh, we've got Maddie and Matthew and Malcolm, who's not, you've probably seen Malcolm, but who we adopted um, seven years ago from Kenya. Um, so five of us live in Perth, been coming to this church for 20 odd years, <laughs> I think, so, yeah. Sandeep, one, one of the things we're thinking about today is recognizing Jesus as light. And it's difficult to think about light without also then having to think about darkness and recognizing that um, in our life, darkness can come in all kinds of ways and it often comes uninvited. In fact, I think most often darkness comes in, into our lives uninvited. Now, a number of years ago, your family experienced something of this. Can you tell us a little bit about that event? Um, 2015, we moved into a new house um, in Kinfon's village, and uh, uh, Jan January 19th, just coming up to it, um, 2015, about 7 p.m. in the evening, um, two masked men entered our house. Uh, uh, myself, Sarah, um, Maddie, my daughter, she was nine at the time. Uh, Matthew was 15 at the time. Um, Anthony was 19 at the time. Um, were in the house. And uh, they held us. They tied us up. Um, they had blades. Um, the knife to Sarah's throat. Um, they um, took jewelry and, and cash. They tied us all up in, in one of the rooms. Um, um, and uh, very, very, I mean, the whole thing I think took 11 minutes. Um, two men. Um, we didn't know who they were. Just two big guys wearing, threatening us. Um, um, and and. Um, yeah, threatening our lives, it's just a, an uncomfortable, very um, unusual situation to have people in your room, in your home, in your bedroom, in your, um, 
and, and then they left and um, yeah, I mean, they, they were caught, you know, a few days later. Um, they're now both in jail. Um, and, yeah, here we are, yeah. God's grace. I mean, for, for, for most people here, we'll, I mean, can't even begin to imagine what, what, what that's like. As you look back on, on those events, what, what were the overriding feeling or emotion at the time? And what do, what do you remember of, of that, other than um, just the event? During the during the event, it's it's the shock. I suppose you know you just suddenly there's a violation. I mean, Sarah was downstairs. I was upstairs. Ironically, I was putting a lock on a door for safety. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you know, Maddie runs up and says, "Dad, there's someone in the house." And I, I thought they were pranking me, so I come, I start coming down the stairs, and next minute, a man in a blue sort of ski mask um, uh, and and a kitchen knife, you know, sort of big kitchen knife um, is walking up the stairs and you're, you know, you're in a house so it's quite a narrow corridor um, and you've got your daughter and, and this man behind you and you're trying to create some safety. It's a lot of noise, a lot of threat um, and then you come down the stairs and Matthew is on the floor sort of um, in a fetal position. Sarah's got this other man with it. So it's, it's everything your brain's not processing. You're like, is this real? Are you seeing this? Are you, um, it, it's because one minute you're just having dinner and just finishing your evening and then you're like, this is Scotland as well. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're a fairly high profile family so you understand that these things are always at risk but, but part of the, the, you always think that they're gonna come for things that are valuable. Um, but here they were threatening us and which was really uncomfortable. Um, and the, you know, even the guy holding Sarah was, you know, he had a shaky hand, so <laughs> you don't want a shaky blade next to your wife's throat, you know. Um, so it's, it's, um, that's, those are sort of the, the sort of brain is frying at the time. Um, and then you sort of get into calm as well. I think both of us were very calm in that whole process, sort of, we didn't ramp up. I know Maddie was wanting to cry and Sarah was like, not now, just come, let, these, let them come in, take what they want and go. I think from our, my point of view, I thought, well, I'm the male here, they're gonna probably injure me or hurt me <laughs> because you don't, even as it's happening, you don't know how it's gonna end. You don't know whether they're gonna kidnap someone or hurt someone or violate someone or whatever. It, it's just two strangers have turned up, you know, and uh, they said they'd escaped from prison or something and you know, that was their story. Um, and one was silent, so they said, oh, he's mute, and um, uh, so yeah, you're, you're just, you're, you're so, so it's, it's a duality. On one hand, your brain's fried with all the things that's coming at you, and on the other, you're, we were also just in calm. You know, um, Matthew was gonna have a go because he was like, why are you tying up my sister? He was, he was ready, and we're like, Matthew, calm, you know, we don't need to get this any worse, um, and we just felt a calm, we felt a peace. Um, and, and essentially the, the whole incident was, was 11 minutes, you know, 11 minutes, so, yeah. I mean, the, the, these are the type, type of events that can create, e even immediately, um, you know, a sense of, of, you've mentioned violation, but even, even trauma. What, what was it like for you and Sarah and the family initially, in terms of how you responded to this? You know, once the event is over, and you know the, the kind of 
that shock is now replaced with a reflective reality. How did you initially respond? It, it, it's really interesting. With, I mean, the incident happened at seven, and then, you know, then you know, thousands of police turn up. Um, and the funny incident is, is as they were leaving, they said, um, and they, would, they said, if, if you phone the police, you know, they'll come back and cut your throat or whatever. And, and so you're sitting in a room trying to listen for a door to open because you don't know whether they'd left the house yet, you know. You, and, and so um, the funny bit is, as they were leaving, the phone rang. And, um, and so we were like, scared because I thought, are they going to come in anyway? I pick up the phone, that's my mother-in-law, you know. By the way, she's probably better than 999. She phones when the incident is happening, you know. So, <laughs> and she's done it a couple of times, actually phoned while a robbery was going on, and not just with us. So, um, and it was, you know, she, she then phoned the 999 and said, like, we need an emergency. Um, and then, and then uh, uh, I'll expand a bit, but, you know, just as the incident happens, you know, the, the, the first policeman comes up, and then I thought, actually, this is really going to be odd, you know. There's an armed in a robbery incident being phoned into the police, and if a policeman's coming into a little uh, a house up in the in, in in the fields and a brown man with a beard answers the door, <laughs> I thought I haven't I haven't gone past my threat point here. <laughs> so, um, thankfully, I was still tied um, and and sort of was and so one policeman came and said, are, are, you, "Are you? Is there something happening?" I said, "Yes, we've been robbed." Next minute, hundreds of police turn up, and then. And then five hours later, you know, seven hours later, Sarah and I actually met because then the police are taking away interviews, um, um, sort of statements, all that sort of thing. And then you come back and we met like at four in the morning or something and we're like, are you okay with, are you okay? And we're just sort of looking at each other. And, and actually our first, first, I suppose, response was that we were grateful. You know, that, that, that we, we, we both felt like we were okay, you know, that, that that this thing had happened, but we, we, were, we were safe here, you know, and we'd made it, and actually nothing, none of us were, you know, nothing literally physically happened to us, and um, so we felt grateful. But what happens is over, over the next few days, you, you then get into what they call trauma cycles, you know, you, you don't start sleeping, you don't sleep, you, you feel agitated, um, and you, you, you sort of don't know how to respond to that, so the, the trauma sort of builds layers in it, and what happened after is we, we got so much response from so many people and, and one of the things we got was um, quite a few counsellors, especially Christian counsellors, wrote in and said, hey, if you want some help or a high help, why don't why didn't you, um, you know, get in touch and here's my credentials. Um, and one, one lady which we sort of vaguely knew up in Inverness, um, uh, we thought, okay, let's go for some counselling. So we, we went as a family. Um, and uh, she was a wonderful lady up there, and, and, and they, she was actually, she's the head of, I think the Scottish government have a, have a department. Um, after Lockerbie, they created a, a trauma department to deal with what happens in, in major incidents in Scotland, you know, like if something like, and it's based on an Israeli and an Australian some, uh, principle that they developed when uh, the tsunami hit Bandarakshi, and actually in Israel when they have big bombings, you know, like, it's not just a singular incident, it's a, it's a bigger incident for a group of people. So, so we went for therapy and, and um, some counseling, and, and it, it was, it, that was really where the revelation began, you know? And, and that's what I really want to share, is, is going into trauma counseling and realizing what like, trauma is. Trauma is just uh, information that our brain can't process. 
because it's a memory that we don't have an index for, like where do we fit it in? So it bounces about in our brain and then we file it into this thing called, you know, I'll deal with it later. Um, and that's when we don't sleep, you know, and then we get angry and I used to have this strange sensation that we were in London and you walk the streets and you suddenly feel really uncomfortable. And, and it's because your, your, your subliminal brain is processing shapes and because all I'd seen was a big man in a mask, you know, I didn't know what his face looked like. And um, so your subliminal brain is processing this stuff that your conscious brain isn't. Um, and then you feel anxious and you're like, oh. So, so trauma is amazing. And, and what, what was great, what we realized in this is that as you deal in with trauma, you realize that the reality is we've got all these other traumas sitting behind us, like that we're buried away in our past. Like, and it could be anything from you know, a, a divorce or a dog dying or a grandparent dying or moving a house or to extremes, you know, a, a abuse or um, anger, alcohol, whatever, the things that are sat in our lives that we've really ignored for a long time. And when some a next trauma happens, and that could be a car accident, it could be losing a job, you know, um, we then, if we don't deal with it, we go back to this shelf and we sort of open it and try to put it in, like I'll deal with it later. But actually all these traumas are like jack in a box. They just bounce straight back up, you know? Um, and, and suddenly we're dealing with not, you know, actually the incident, I mean, like my, Sarah's more terrified coming here speaking to you guys than we were, <laughs> you know, in the incident because this is terrifying, you know? Um, uh, but what it does pick up is all the stuff in our past that isn't dealt with. And, and what's happened is we've, we, as we go into that, like Sarah lost her mom at 12 and I lost her husband at 24, you know? Um, mine is simple, I'm just scared of the dark, you know? <laughs> um, uh, as a kid, we used to, and, and, and my brother's here, but when I was a kid, I was having a shower, I used to always make my brother wait outside the bathroom because we used to have power cuts in India. And every time you had a parka, you were vulnerable. You were naked, you were wet, you were dark, you know? So that, that still sits there, you know? And my brother used to just leave a radio playing and leave, you know? So, uh, <laughs> um, so, so the discovery, that trauma space, or, or that, that discovery of saying, okay, here's what we really need to be dealing with, the things approaching, going into the, not just the past, but addressing, like, the things we've been, we're all scared of that are sitting in our lives. Um, and what's happened reflectively after, since that process is that's become our gift now to others. That's where we've realized that, that having gone through it, and, and really now we look back at it, actually the worst part of that incident was actually the trial a year later, to be meeting those people in a, in a courtroom, seeing them like literally 15 feet from you and trying to remember every moment from a year ago was more traumatic, I would say, than, than actually the incident. You know, we had to revisit something we didn't want to. Um, and, and what's happened over the years since then is now we talk openly about this because we realize that so many of us here right now are sitting with these traumas. We know we, we, we're, and, and COVID has exaggerated some of these things as well. And COVID is a trauma as well because it's, it's some unusual event. Um, and I think we, you know, our blessing has been to be able to speak to people and walk them through those spaces, you know, to go into, um, and not because we're virtuous or resolved, but going, our incident gave us a gateway into a mechanism that has now been helped so many others that we can speak to and say, hey, you know, this is, this is, this needs addressed, or you need help. I mean, it sounds like that your recovery then from this event actually was 
with healing and recovery in many different ways. I don't want to assume anything, because I mean, you've shared a, a lot with us about the benefit of um, those years of recovery. So I don't want to assume anything when I ask this next question, but we're, we're talking about Jesus as light and presence today in the darkness. Are you able to look back either at the events or the months and years after it and recognize Jesus' light and presence? And if so, where would they be? It was all over it. I mean, that's why I'm not describing it. It wasn't specifics. We, from the moment it happened, we felt calm. You know, it, we just felt a, a, a presence of God in that house. And, and even to come back to the house, you know, we still live in that house. Because we're like, no, we, we're not being thrown out by some darkness. You know, this, we love this house. And we love, and, and it could have destroyed our marriage. You know, quite, we could have ended up in very different places. Um, a couple got married, uh, sorry, robbed the day before us. Um, in the same pair robbed a couple in Creef. Um, and they're, they're still, they, she hasn't left the house yet, you know? She's still locked, petrified. Um, I don't know if they're still together, but, it, you know, we could have ended up in very different, and we just felt, we honestly felt grateful and a blessing, and God just being all over with our kids, we were unharmed, we, 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 we felt a, a peace in that, and then, then we realized that all these other people came in to help with the journey as well. And they were just God's continued blessing, you know, like that. Um, and then the light is the, really the space where you realize that it, these darkness or, you know, these, we, we, some of us, are, you know, we go into rooms where we hear an animal growling, essentially. You know, we're scared, it's anxious. We, we don't want to go into these rooms. But actually, the light is then shone in that room, you know, and you realize that that animal is small and chained, you know. It's never going to attack you. It's just making a lot of noise and, and that's where the light comes in and you realize how God, how, how, like, how contained our understanding of God's light is. You know, that we think it's a singular event, event that either happened 2,000 years and Jesus comes, but it's, it's continuous, he's here. You know, there's an incarnate God, you know, Peterson talks about God moves into your neighborhood. Those were the spaces we then, it was like revelation, we realized that now, even, even the past six, seven years of, of since the incident, of, of the amount of people that are now being sort of gifted to us, that we, we, we see the trauma. I mean, it, it, like now we recognize it and go, and therefore now we can talk with them and, and also have a, a point in which you can share with someone to say, yeah, that a similar thing happened to you, you know? So, so there's a solidarity that comes from that place. And you realize that that is what the kingdom is, the salt and light, you know? That, that is how how the light pushes back the darkness. You know, we are in a broken world. We are in darkness. We are in, in East of Eden, you know. Um, but this is the light we carry. You know, these are the places of hope um, and healing and restoration um, that, that we, we feel now part of. You know. so, so not only do you sense your own healing, but God has redeemed the, in some ways, what I guess most of us think would be the worst of circumstances in a way that's not just for both of you, but then out of that you minister to others. Mm. There, there's a phrase that I've heard you use uh, a number of times, and we're thinking a, a little bit today, just not about how, how is Jesus' light and presence uh, in our lives, but then how do we become that? And the, the phrase that I've heard you use a number of times is uh, connection over content when thinking about 
the church and people in the world we live in. And even just as you've spoken about it today, you know, this happened. God's light and presence is in it. Now that's redeemed in a way of wearing your connection with others. That means a big deal. Tell us a little bit about that connection over content piece. <laughs> well, I always felt in, in, in COVID, we sort of shot ourselves in the foot a little um, because we, we went online so instantly. You know, with a flick of a switch, we were online. You know, we were sermons and poor Kyle was doing hundreds of thousands of hours of editing, you know, uh, music and content. You know, we suddenly, and, and, and I thought, gosh, we've, we've shot ourselves in the foot because it's sort of proving that so little of what we do is, is our fellowship. You know, that we were fine. We just like, oh, we'll, we'll survive for two years doing this. And um, Florida University recently has done some really interesting studies of how COVID has affected us. Um, and it talked about how the, the sort of the first lockdown we connected, we, we danced and baked and shared things and phoned friends and, you know, we did all sorts of, in the second lockdown with the winter, sort of, we disconnected. We stopped watching online church. We stopped visiting people. We stopped going out as much. We, we sort of were much more critical of what we got involved with. Um, and, and there's studies showing and it's and it's actually shifted some of our character, you know, like what we now expect when who hasn't come back to, you know, gathering with this. So we're actually in this place where we've got to um, create reconnection again. You know, we were coming, the irony that I have to introduce myself to a church that I've been going to for 20 years, you know, it's, it says something. We've, and that's maybe a good thing because we've got so many new people. But actually, we, we've got to see, like, I mean, I urge you to, like, even today, don't, don't rush out the door, you know. It's easy to do that. That, that maybe God isn't going to speak to you by Ian preaching here or what's happening on stage. It's going to maybe be the person who's sitting next to you right now the story that needs to be shared, you know, even the, the ability for us to see each other and be able to, re to realize that we're all sort of broken and healing people. And that God is actually trying to do, you know, we're trying to heal a city and save a city, but we're not doing it with each other. You know, we're not seeing the lonely that are sitting in this room. We're not seeing the sort of difficult marriages that, are that people have, you know, the demons that people were left with in, in, uh, alone in their rooms during COVID. So I think... I'm just so much more passionate about what does reconnection look like. That, how much more content do we want? How, you know, how much more we you know we we flick online and we can listen to whatever music or whatever sermon or whatever book that we have. And I'm like, okay, we can do that, but the, the connection is a much softer, longer journey. It, it and 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 for for Sarah and I, we 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 we're trying to do table. You know, just invite people to a table. You know, have a coffee with people, bring people home break bread with people again. Um, it's hard to do in this context, you know, it's hard. I love that people came into decoration, you know, it's great, because it's not about decoration, it's about connection. It's about us meeting, reconnecting, understanding that, you know, think about the thousands of years of God's faithfulness that is represented in this room. You know, the thousands of miracles that we, we all get to, 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 and that we're not sharing. You know, we're wanting more. And yet we've got it there, the resources there. And I'm, I'm, so the reconnection, that, that I, I'm just, my emphasis is just like everything we're trying to do is just connect. Like I, I don't actually want you guys to listen to me. I want you to talk to me. You know, I want to break bread with people um, uh, in Blend. That's what we're saying. That what does the long table look like? Where, do, where can strangers come and sit, 
share their stories, even for like a nomad, a campfire space, you know, to, to share their stories for a night and then go on your journeys. You know, we have, we have, you know, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's. <laughs> so maybe, uh, I'll not ask the, the, the last question because you've given us so much in, in all of that. Um, I'd, if it's all right, I'd like to pray uh, before you, we finish and, and thank Sunday. But before we finish with you, I'm, I'm going to do a lot more content if that's all right. So just for a little bit. But let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Sandeep and Sarah and the family. Thank you for the testimony of light in the midst of darkness. And not just in a specific darkness, but across the dark places of life. Jesus, you are present, light of the world. But I pray we'd be encouraged today because of what we've heard of testimony. Whatever things are in our life's present, past, anxieties, worries, experiences, let us recognize and receive the light of Christ. Mm. And we pray your blessing over Sundeep and Sarah and the family. May they continue to minister this same uh, life and light and presence and love and healing with those they meet with, the tables they share with others. And Lord, may you be glorified. May they be a beautiful witness to your light and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank Sandeep uh, for this this morning. I want to say a, a, a few things just off the, the back of, of that as we think about these verses in, in John chapter 1. And a few pictures that appear on the, the screen. Um, I think light comes to us, if we can go to the next slide, in different ways. Um, sometimes light, the light of Christ comes to us in darkness. And, and it, it feels like the first picture in the top left hand side, as if we, in a moment of worship or prayer or calling out to God or, or, or just because God is gracious, it's almost like we're receiving something of Christ and it feels like light in darkness. Uh, maybe a word of scripture comes to mind and, it, and it's inside and we sense it brings light to us or, or we sense the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. It's like we've received something of the light of Christ and it disperses darkness. Maybe it's, it's something that reveals or renews us from the inside out as if we've received. And, and what I thought was so sad about those verses in John chapter 1 is that some people didn't recognize and some people didn't receive. And that life that, that looks to recognize Jesus and receive Christ to be filled with his spirit. So that when we come to the places of darkness, Already there's something of the light that is deep within us. We recognize and we receive. And then for others, some people I think experience light because they, as they walk, they, they sense, they see the light at the end of the tunnel. And they're just trusting Jesus, the light of the world, that at one point they'll walk through from the darkness into the light. But we're still holding on to Jesus who is the light of the world. We see, we believe, we trust that the God who says he will make a way will make a way. And so we, we, we follow Jesus and we, we say, well, there's going to be a way through. We just keep following the light of Christ. Some of us, I, I think, maybe feel a little more like the bottom left-hand corner. We're just 
holding on. It's, it's like just our hand and our forearm. Everything else seems to be consumed by darkness, but my goodness, we are going to hold on to Jesus, the light of the world. It's all we've got. But we're still in the light, even though it feels like we're consumed with darkness. Why? Because the darkness cannot overcome the light. Cannot overcome Christ. So we know that we are just holding on. And then some of us experience the light of Christ because of the other light bearers that we worship with. And this is the, the connection over content. There is some light that comes simply because we're part of the family of God and we're connected and because there are other light bearers around us. I remember when I, when I was uh, ill and going through surgery and then chemo, I had a whole rediscovery of the church of Jesus Christ as a place of, of worshipping with God's people. And so when I came in and I had little faith, but I was in amongst the people of God who were worshipping, who had faith, something happened within me. Or when I, I was struggling, then it was the faith of others as they prayed over me or with me that strengthened me. It, it was in fellowship and in conversations when I, I, I wasn't able to stand, so I was so exhausted, so I just sat and people came and encouraged me. Sometimes the light of Christ often comes through the connection that Sundeep is talking about. The light of Christ comes in those ways, among the other light bearers. People of God, I want to say, when it's dark, don't withdraw. It is the easiest thing to do, and sometimes we even think it's the most natural thing to do. We'll miss the light that is ready for us. Don't withdraw. Keep around those other light bearers. I think this is what hope is. We began with this word of hope with the lighting of the first candle, knowing the light is still there even, even when it's dark. But we trust in Jesus, the light of the world, and that darkness cannot overcome him, so we hold on. And we keep strong with each other. And we receive and we welcome Christ. The truth of the matter is the light of Christ is not determined by our circumstances, but simply by the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. And so if you, if you feel that darkness this morning, I want to say the hope is Christ. And we receive his light in all kinds of ways this morning. And then presence. The message version, what, what Sandeep alluded to and in, in, uh, what he said, renders verse 14 of John 1 like this. The word became flesh and moved, flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood. The very presence of God right in the midst of us in the rough and tumble of everyday life in the streets and homes and cities and towns and villages. And Jesus walked among them all. The creator enters the created and he moves close right into the neighborhood. And in this season, we've been duped. We've been duped into substituting the eternal presence of God for superficial presence. Presence has been substituted with presence. And we've lost the whole purpose of this incarnation story. 
God's presence in our lives. We've seen his glory. Glory that bends and stoops to come to us to bring his presence, his grace, his truth, his love. Jesus who serves and washes disciples' feet and then gives his life as a ransom for many. What kind of God is this? Who leaves the perfection of heaven, who sacrifices all of that so that he can be present with us. This is our God. And the places where we feel there's nobody else or nothing else, God comes in Christ into those places. And that's a presence of closeness and intimacy. Right into the neighborhood comes the Creator. We, we can't survive with religion or religiosity. It must, our life must be rooted in intimate presence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we, we exclude ourselves from that possibility. We deny ourselves the possibility of that deep intimacy with God, knowing his presence. Sensing his presence, allowing the Spirit's presence to fill our lives. Sometimes we, we deny ourselves that possibility because we say, well, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve that closeness, that intimacy with God. God would never come close to me. Folks, it's a lie. That's all lies. Whoever you are, whatever has happened, whatever has happened to you, whatever has happened by you, that is a lie when we say, I don't deserve it. Good God would never come to me. It's not about deserving it. It's about the fact that God comes to us. His presence is to be encountered. Some people deny themselves by saying, well, I'm not really like that. I'm not the touchy-feely type. I don't feel like that's my personality. And somehow in doing it, you, we deny ourselves of the possibility of that intimacy and closeness with God. He doesn't see us by personality, even though he might give us personality, but he longs to be with us, his presence with us and in us. God's closeness, the incarnation tells us of God who comes close to us. But my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is an amazing uh, biblical teacher. She has insights. She's been teaching in our church in Parkhead for years. And she has incredible insights. She has a great brain. She, she operates in, a, in an intellectual way that, that most of us wish we could. And she's somehow able to make truth real amongst the people of God. And she loves learning. But in that learning and in the word of God and our life in the spirit, she is thrilled and drawn deeper into, uh, into Christ. Now, my, my mother-in-law would probably say she's not a touchy-feely type of person. I'm not sure how that she would describe herself. But my goodness, she knows the thrill of the intimacy of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that she encounters in the word of God and the spirit of God. My mother's the complete opposite. She is utterly touchy-feely. And uh, she, she is so intuitive and just, you know, picks things up and is, is around people and, and senses all kinds of things. And she too, although different in personality, is thrilled by the reality of the presence of God. Don't deny yourself the opportunity 
of what the incarnation tells us, that God's presence, intimacy with God is what he longs for, for us and for you. And then finally, that we would be witnesses to this presence of Christ and this light of Christ. And that in fact, we are to become the light and the presence. That's what it says, and Jesus teaches us in Matthew 5, 14, that you also now are the light of the world because Christ is in you. And now we carry Christ, his presence, his light into the world. We live bearing Christ within us. And we live in that same way as Jesus lived. We are called to be God's presence, a faithful presence in the world as his children. And that needs to look like Jesus, individually, as families, and as a gathered church. And we need to be present with one another, connection, presence, with one another in the church, close enough. Um, is, is John Napier here this morning? Is he not? Well, I'll, I'll give him credit for this. John, John, in one of my earliest conversations with us, um, we're talking about the, the church. And he, he said, sometimes it feels like church is like a game of snooker, where, where these odd balls just kind of clink off each other and then go away from each other again. They never really get to know each other. There's no real presence with each other. I think we have to hear that kind of picture and say, how do we become the presence of Christ with each other as well as with the world around? And then we need to be witnesses of this light and presence in the surprising places, in forgotten communities, among the people beyond us. That's what that whole last series was about how we're a light and a presence in other places. And as a church that gathers together. And COVID has had an impact on presence. That somehow there's been a change amongst us where the withdrawal into isolation has become norm. Friends, I think we have to break that. And we have to make a decision to break that. And early on, when all the restrictions began to lift, and Carolyn and I were, were talking about why, why we were so reluctant to go out, and why it was easier just to stay in, and, and we had to make the choice to break with the pattern of isolation and just withdraw. I think we need to break that. Because if the church is to reflect the incarnation, then we need to be present. We need to be present with each other. We need to be present as the gathered church. And I think God is calling the church back out, back into gathering, as well as into the dispersed places that we are. And that we will begin all over again to be a people who are committed to being both light and presence and a witness in the communities that we live but also as the gathered church, a sign, a witness, a light to this city and to surprising places in this city. Now I'm going to ask Jane if she would come and join me for the last couple of minutes um, because 
There are all kinds of ways in which you can do this, but I want you to hear about one uh, that is happening in the church. I think you can just use that, Jane, and keep it close up onto... Matt always says, put it on your chin. And you can stand or you can, you can sit wherever you wish. But um, we're, we're launching something in, in December uh, called Cozy Space. Um, Jane is going to be heading that up. Tell us a little bit about it as we think about this being light and, and presence in the city. Um, on Thursday, there is a Philos meal and the guest who is speaking um, worked for CAPS Christians in Action Against Poverty and she described the situation as not an economic crisis but rather an economic emergency. And the council and lots of other organizations have recognized the state that our communities are in um, due to the cost of living crisis, post-COVID, Ukrainian war, everything. Um, and the council have very generously looked to fund various communities and church organizations to start a cozy space where people can come and gather and just be warm and enjoy hospitality. Now I've looked into various um, things that are going on around the city and there's quite a lot going on, it's really good. And a lot of people are offering like soup and sandwiches and things like that. And actually a lot of people are offering soup and sandwiches. So I thought we could maybe do something a little bit different and offer something like a family after school club where people can come and have a simple meal. Building up to Christmas, they can sit down and do some crafts together or just chat or play games. Maybe after Christmas, I might offer like a homework um, club type of thing that kids can do. Um, I'm only primary trained teacher, so I only know how to tie laces and wipe noses and things like that. And also I specialized in PE, so I can also throw bean bags and draw chalk lines. Um, so if anyone has any knowledge of maths beyond the number of 20, I would love you to, to come and help me with that because I'm likely to get stuck on secondary school homework. Um, I think it's a real opportunity to reach out to our immediate neighborhood. Now I'm going to be looking for connections right behind us with the flats, but also the nearby local schools. So people can know that they can come to our church, we're going to share our resources, and they can be safe and warm and fed. And I think this is a brilliant opportunity to connect, to actually shine light into darkness. I don't know whether anyone's been in any worrying debt before, but we watched a film again on Thursday where a man had, it's so easy to get into debt, it's so easy to be poor. And he had lost his wife, she dealt with all the finances, and he didn't know whether he was coming or going with money, and very quickly got into debt. As a result of being into debt, he was suicidal. And that's just not an uncommon situation. It is sort of worryingly sick, sickening, no, what am I trying to say? You get worried sick with lack of money. So I would love to reach out to people in those situations. If you have got any time whatsoever, like even just a tiny bit of time for just one of these weeks, are we okay to just carry on talking? Okay, good. <laughs> um, give the girl a microphone and a moth like. Um, if you've got any time whatsoever to just come and be, I would so love that. 
Um, the meals aren't going to be anything like from the Savoy or anything. It's going to be very simple, sort of children menu meals, sort of chicken nuggets and one week pizza, things like that, very easy to prepare. And just come and be, come and be willing to sit alongside somebody. Just reach out, connection over content. Um, I was listening. Um, and we're looking for about six volunteers per week. If we've got loads of volunteers, you'd only have to maybe do it every few weeks or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm reaching out for help. Uh, and is there anything specific that you, you would look for, uh, any jobs or roles or help that you particularly need? Uh, hundreds of jobs and help and stuff. I think it would be nice if you've got a family to even just come along and be and create a buzz. I think that's a good enough job if you are able to talk to strangers easily, um, build up a conversation, that's another job. If you can help in the kitchen, fantastic. If you can serve, brilliant. If you can wash up, even better. We've got a great dishwasher in the kitchen next door, by the way. It's really effective. Um, so it's not even really like hard work, really. If you've just got a heart, really, just a heart to reach out, just come and help. And when does it start? A week on... Thursday. Yeah, it starts the week on Thursday. <laughs> Thank you, Jane. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday, sorry. That's on the screen. Week on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, week on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so these are, now we also run some stuff on Wednesdays, 12 to 2, and also uh, 5.30 to, to 7. Uh, so three different points are, are, are kind of reflect the cosy space, but uh, the one that we're particularly focusing on uh, for, for helpers is on that Tuesday, 3.30 to 6.30. Now, We'll send information out with an online uh, document that you can go in and sign up for a space. Um, Jane uh, will also be glad to take your names for uh, coming either, you can come as a life group, you can come on your own, you can come with a family. But let's commit to bringing light and presence and becoming a witness right into the city here uh, over this winter time. So thank you, Jane. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up as we pray. Lord, thank you so much for the light and the darkness and the presence amidst the despair that we know in you, Lord Jesus, and in you, Holy Spirit. Help us to become light and presence in this city and beyond. May the nativity impact the church. May the incarnation shape who we are so that we also might become light and presence.